What do people mean when they say something is a Herculean effort? Is it enough to know that Hercules is exceptionally strong and brave? Did you know he was also a killer of innocent people? I'm Rem Whitcraft, and this is Fiction Briefly. Hercules is the mold for the strong silent type, the ultimate ladies' man. You may have seen the animated Disney movie about him, but are you aware that this mythic character killed his young children among other non-threatening victims? Sounds more like a villain than a hero, but Hercules was considered the greatest hero of Greece. A very close comparison can be found between Hercules and the Marvel character Wolverine with his brooding temperament and his accidental killings of innocent people. But even Wolverine, who has a villainous streak in his backstory, does not present the same kind of remorse as Hercules because he suffers partial amnesia. What's interesting is that the original manly man from Greek mythology, the tough and unflinching hero, has something most modern masculine stereotypes don't. Hercules suffers a lifetime for his egregious lapses of judgment. Does this make his offenses pardonable? Ancient Grecians thought so. Since my sources reference work from Greek authors Euripides, Sophocles, and Theocritus, along with Apollodorus, I'll be using his Greek name Heracles for the rest of the program, as well as the Greek ruler of the god Zeus and his ever-suffering wife Hera. Heracles can also be compared to Lenny Small from John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. He's the dim-witted strongman who inadvertently kills his puppy. Though Heracles is not mentally disabled, sometimes his murders are an accident of his strength and other times a curse of madness. Because of these killings, he was once as well known for his emotional sensitivity. But people tend to remember only the strength and triumphant conquests of this character. His legend from thousands of years ago seems to argue that one does not need intelligence if one has strength, or that strength solves everything. In one of his stories, he even threatens the sun with an arrow when it gets too hot. He's not always an unintelligent brute, but he knows his intellectual limits. In his battle with the river god Achelous, he is quoted as saying, My hand is better than my tongue. Let me win fighting, and you may win talking. It could be argued that the use of the hero's journey is what makes Heracles' story of the Twelve Trials compelling. His tasks represent our own developmental stages into adulthood, and while we might not be guilty of the same kinds of mistakes, we relate to the process of atonement. As usual, the journey starts with the extraordinary aspects of his birth. According to psychiatrist Otto Rank's work, The Myth of the Birth of the Hero, the hero is born of royal or supernatural parents. As he is a well-known philanderer, Zeus is involved, and with a married woman no less. Alcmene, the granddaughter of legendary hero Perseus, is married to Amphitryon. Difficulties precede the hero's conception or the mother is a virgin. Alcmene experiences a dual conception by two different fathers. Her pregnancy produces a half-man, half-god in Heracles and an unremarkable twin brother. Next, the child's life is in danger and sacrifices must be made to save his life. Hera takes her jealousy out on Heracles his whole life, and it starts as an infant. While the two boys lie asleep in their cradle, Hera sends two snakes to kill them. 
but even as an infant, Heracles possesses enough power to strangle both snakes dead. The rest of Rank's list doesn't apply to Heracles. He grows up, he performs feats of strength, winning every battle he enters. His confidence is immense. He's used as a stud when a man named Thespius sends his 50 daughters to bed with Heracles to get 50 illegitimate grandsons. But then he brutalizes some minion soldiers by having their ears, noses, and hands cut off. A battle ensues after this barbaric act, and he wins. And this is where the main struggle of his life begins. Most people are familiar with Joseph Campbell's hero's journey simplified as a 12-step formula, and that's how we'll look at the myth of the 12 trials Hercules must perform. Starting with the ordinary world, the hero's refuge, we get a glimpse of the hero before his most famous adventures. Heracles is presented a wife, Megara, the daughter of King Creon of Thebes, after he saves the city from an attack. Mind you, he was the cause of the attack because he brutalized the ears and noses of the enemy. He and Megara have three sons and things are looking pretty good. But Zeus's wife Hera hasn't gotten over the results of her husband's infidelity and doesn't like the attention Heracles gets as a hero in Thebes. Instead of punishing her husband, Hera targets Heracles. Stage two is the call to adventure. Something beckons the hero to leave the safety of home. Usually this takes the form of a threat. Heracles' call to adventure is unique because Hera causes Heracles to go ballistic and kill his young children. Some sources say he killed his wife in her efforts to save the children. Heracles' call to adventure is really summoning the will to keep on living. When Heracles regains consciousness and learns from witnesses that he'd murdered his own family, his first thought is to refuse life, giving himself the ultimate self-punishment. His cousin and Athenian hero Theseus convinces him not to commit suicide. A famous humanitarian, Theseus believes if Heracles was unaware of his actions at the time of the murder, he is innocent of the blood on his hands, an early version of not guilty by reason of insanity. Theseus invites Heracles to live with him in Athens. In stage three, we get the refusal of the call to adventure, the hero is either too afraid or doubtful of his own skills. Heracles can't forgive himself, though his outbursts are a result of an outside force, he takes responsibility for his actions. He can't live the rest of his life without some sort of rigorous punishment, so he seeks advice from an oracle. This brings us to stage four, the meeting with the mentor. The hero receives guidance from a figure who gives him advice, training, or a weapon which spurs the hero on. The Oracle of Delphi agrees that the murders must be atoned for. She tells him he must submit to the will of King Eurystheus of Argos for penance. Hera ordained this servitude to Eurystheus before Heracles was even born. In stage five, we get the crossing of the threshold where the hero embarks upon the quest. King Eurystheus gives Heracles 12 labors in total with the help of Hera behind the scenes in hopes they will prove impossible. Heracles will try anything to rid himself of his guilt, even though the tasks seem arbitrary rather than deeds to benefit mankind. 
Stage 6 brings the tests, allies, and enemies. The hero must survive a daunting series of challenges, learning who to trust along the way. Among some of his tasks is the killing of a lion immune to all weapons, and the nine-headed hydra who possesses one immortal head. He must capture a stag with horns of gold, a great boar, a bull, and some man-eating mares. During his ninth labor, Heracles kills Queen of the Amazons, Hippolyta, due to a misunderstanding. Sure, he has to fight off a bunch of other Amazons, but he gets away with murder once again, securing Hippolyta's girdle for Eurystheus. In stage 7, we see the approach to the hero's innermost cave. The hero faces the gravest challenge of them all, where he must make peace with himself no matter the outcome. For his tenth labor, Heracles must go to Erethia, an island at the edge of the world, to bring back the cattle of Geryon. When Heracles succeeds, King Eurystheus refuses to release him from punishment and orders two more tasks. In stage 8, the ordeal, only through death can the hero return to life. Heracles must plunge himself into the afterlife where few humans return alive. Among his tasks in the underworld, he must capture the three-headed dog Cerberus, who has the tail of a dragon and the heads of snakes along his back. Cerberus guards the entrance to the underworld, and Hades, ruler of this realm, permits Heracles to remove the dog as long as Heracles uses no weapons. Stage 9 is the reward, or seizing of the sword. The hero emerges from the battle stronger than ever. Heracles seizes Cerberus, and though Heracles is bitten by the dragon-headed tail, the dog yields to the man's strength and persistence. Cerberus allows Heracles to carry him into the land of the living. In stage 10, the road back, the hero starts on the journey home, choosing between glory or a cause bigger than himself. Heracles delivers Cerberus to King Eurystheus, and the king, fearful of the beast, orders Heracles to take him back to Hades. Stage 11, Resurrection. This is the most perilous battle with consequences greater than death, risking the safety of his ordinary world. His success is like a rebirth. Returning Cerberus to Hades, Heracles emerges once more in the land of the living. Heracles wins his freedom from King Eurystheus, and this is where the story usually has its happy ending, but Heracles still can't forgive himself. Stage 12, Return with Elixir. The hero returns home transformed. Heracles gets remarried, has more run-ins with Hera, and when he dies, he becomes a god. But the moral of the story is you can perform the worst of sins and though you may never forget your mistakes, you can still lead a fruitful existence, or something like that. Or maybe the lesson is we all make mistakes, we should own up to them, and accept our punishment because there's no way to avoid mistakes. Kind of hard when the mistake ends up killing someone. It's difficult to know exactly what the authors of Greek myth intended when they told their stories. There are so many different perspectives collected by the time a myth is written down, who knows the real purpose? 
But we can all learn something from Heracles' tragedy and realize that even the best of us accidentally kills their music teacher with a lute every once in a while. This legendary hero, best known as Hercules, was allowed to be human, fallible, and not always the smartest guy around. He is forgiven for murder time and time again because his great deeds and his lifelong remorse outweigh his momentary lapses of judgment. Can a murderer be rehabilitated to the point of becoming a hero? Because of Hercules, the idea is not outside our imagination. Consider if Batman had killed his parents instead of the Joker. He suffers guilt as he grows up in prison and realizes he is just a spoiled brat with an anger problem. To make up for that guilt, he punishes himself the rest of his life by fighting crime after his release. But we don't see the fallible hero in real life because there are no 12 labors that will earn back the public's trust. With our modern system of punishment, felons are forever branded as such. Hercules didn't suffer punishment from the law. Heroes like Wolverine, too, remain untouchable from traditional punishment. What makes our fictional criminals so much more human and forgivable than people in modern society? Hercules is entirely more complicated than modern interpretations portray. Ever remorseful, he traveled to the literal ends of the earth and still could not forgive himself. Is this the kind of hero you can relate to? If not, I'll explore the Athenian golden boy Theseus next. Theseus, though not well known today, was revered for his superior intelligence as well as bravery. Think George Washington in the ancient world. A contemporary of Hercules, his story mentions one of the earliest descriptions of a democracy as Theseus refuses to become king. You can comment on this episode or suggest new content on my Facebook page, Fiction Briefly. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on whichever platform you listen on. Once again, I thank Kestrel and Mexican Spy Company for all music and sound production for this show. This has been Fiction Briefly, giving you a glimpse into the mind of an artist. Thank you for listening. <laughs>